Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? Daniel B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today I'm here with Sharon Koifman. Sharon is all about remote management. He has over two decades of experience running three companies, 100% from his computer. He is the president of Distant Job, a remote recruitment agency that focuses on soliciting full-time remote workers worldwide. Along with his rapidly expanding new media company, Think Remote, Sharon's company has also created a successful podcast that is all about remote management and leadership. During the wake of COVID-19, Sharon wrote a best-selling book on multiple Amazon categories called Surviving Remote Work. His goal is to help businesses thrive in this new environment. Kaufman also has studied and researched not just how to operate remote companies, but also how to establish an exceptional work culture, one where people love to work in. Very excited about this chat. As you know, we're all about remote work, so let's get right into it. So, Sharon, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Doing great, Daniel. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Listen, Sharon, I ask every single one of my guests to tell me what they were doing before they became an entrepreneur and what did, you know, what made you become one? So I don't recall <laughs> ever not being an entrepreneur. So I, uh, I might, when I was a teenager, had some teenager jobs, but uh, otherwise I started my first business in university and I never looked back. And the reason why I became an entrepreneur? Really, because I thought I'd be great at it, right? This is, uh, I, I felt that I will be the most successful as a person that that creativity infused from. Um, so so I, I never saw myself being as successful uh, working for somebody else. And that's why I chose it. It's, I know a lot of people like to talk about flexibility and monetary, but no, for me, it really was the choice that seemed to make the most sense. All right. It makes sense. And so, so that we can uh, tell our listeners, where do you come from? Like you said that you went to university and you opened your own business, where did you go to university? Get us, you know, a bit of a setting uh, during those days where Sharon was getting, you know, those formative years. Okay, well, so I uh, I'm from Montreal, Canada. I'm actually originally from Israel, but that mm -hmm. that is really a long time ago. And uh, um, I was I was doing everything <coughs> since um, I was starting my first business, actually, which was uh, uh, man managing um, managing musicians and producing music since I was like 19 years old. But my biggest motivation was my dad 
who had an engineering firm, but he literally built that entire operation from his house. So he would design the machines, give it to the machine shops, uh, and everything just, it was a one-man show outsourcing to the world and creating some pretty amazing stuff. Um, And I started my first, I would say, real company in Concordia, in in my university here in Montreal, uh, where we started off as a web hosting company to kind of fund, to try to fund all my other ideas, but that became my main business. So sorry about that. Uh, I I was saying that one of the things that I think really, really stood out to me is the fact that uh, you already had an experience when you were younger uh, being beside someone that was able to build something from the comfort of his own home. Um, I feel like this is something not a lot of people get. I guess before COVID, the majority of people thought that to make money, you needed to leave the house early in the morning and be stuck in traffic for like an hour uh, each way. Uh, Just to say that, you know, like, I have a business, I'm going to my office, which is absolutely not the case. Um, I do want to get into the book that you wrote uh, in a second, but before we get there, can you tell us how you operate your business right now and uh, how many you know staff members you have, where are they in the world and uh, how do you make everything run? So I'm actually the only guy in Canada, our company is fully distributed. We are right now 61 employees all over the world. And I really go out of my way to make sure that the, the, we cover as many countries as possible. So the majority of my employees are completely independent from one another and completely separate. Um, we are a recruitment agency so the uh, that specialize in the in distributed tech employees and we're actually the first remote recruitment agency in the world so we we have figured out how to maneuver the this massive pool of talent that the world is giving us soliciting people in established companies and we do it because we have such happy motivated remote employees all over the world and this is a way function. Anybody that needs, that has a requirement, we just attack in an agile format. We, we literally go all over and try to find that awesome person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So I'm actually, so you're talking about distantjob.com. Uh, so uh, yeah, .com. So um, can you tell us more about your remote recruitment agency? Why did you decide, you know, actually one question that I have is this, why are you the first remote recruitment agency, like what are the kind of um, the hurdles that you think other businesses, uh, mental hurdles, I should add, because they're not real ones, that other businesses, you know, have been afraid of of going over in order to build a remote agency like the one you have? Well, first of all, we have been doing this for 15 years. The, the Back in those days, the idea of hiring somebody offshore or on international level usually came with this almost this obligation of going to an outsourcing company now if that's if that's a confusing concept outsourcing company 
is known for those companies that you give projects to, to Eastern Europe, India, uh, and they take care of your project. And if you wanted back then to find an amazing talent at a lower that functions and works at a lower cost of living, those are the type of companies that you would go for. Yeah. What I've realized that that working with this outsourcing model kind of makes companies lose their lose a little bit of what made them successful in the first place. So if you're a real estate company mm -hmm. and you hire an outsourced web design company, that that makes sense. But yeah. if you're a software company and back then it happened a lot that they chose to outsource their project to a separate outsourcing company in India, you kind of lost yeah. that you kind of lost what people paid you money for. Yeah. And when I, and I ran an outsourcing company, that was my, my first real serious company, uh, web hosting and outsourcing. And I realized that what people need is just quality people. They don't need and the entire package. Yeah. No, they, they don't need unfocused managers. They don't need anybody to take on the project. The, the best managers are the ones that are working internally for the company. They just need quality people. And that's when uh, about 15 years ago, even 16 by now, I have I've decided to focus on just instead of taking on projects, just focusing on finding the best people, best people the world has to offer. Yeah, you're you're actually preaching to your choir to this because you know I I have a business, uh, the consultancy that we run as a remote CEO. Um, we help entrepreneurs instead of hiring agencies and outsourcing agencies, we help them find um, salespeople and uh, and uh, customer service people that can work for them. So in-house teams. Because like you said, the important part about, you know, uh, and, and I, as, a, as a remote CEO myself, I know this because the most important part when you're running a remote business is that the owner of the business, the manager, whoever actually has control over the staff. Like, yes, you know, if you hire someone and then you just, you know, cross your fingers and come back in a couple of weeks and get a report from an agency, gosh, like how many things could go wrong in between, including, including, which is not a small deal, culture. Because building remote culture is already a hard as is. So if you also lose control of the management aspect, really, like, do you even have a project going on? Who knows, right? <laughs> You'll have to wait until they, they they tell you if they finished it or not. Um, it, you can't lose control, right? This yeah. is this is the biggest component here that the the outsourcing model, the traditional outsourcing model. Um, lets you lose control over your project. If this is a core project, you, you're making a huge business mistake. You you need that control. You and projects change, projects evolve. You the having a person that becomes part of your company that integrates part of your operation and culture is crucial for building flexible. Um, scalable projects. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, again, outsourcing is is a solution that is great for a company where the, the project is not their bread and butter. I need a web design. I need some software on the side. But if this is your core product, you need people working for you and mm -hmm. integrating part of your company. And of course, fitting part of this amazing culture that you've created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So here's the thing. What would you say to our listeners that are at home right now or driving a car and, you know, trying to think, okay, if I want to get leads, I don't want to manage, you know, people, but I just want to go to an outsourcing company and get the leads from them. What would you say about the quality of the leads that they would get uh, from an outsourcing company versus the ones they would get from actual in-house sales and lead generation individuals? Uh, and I'm using that as just one example. Um, what would you say to these people? Because one of the biggest uh, things that I hear is, I don't have time for this. Uh, do I have to manage other people? Do I have to have another meeting in my schedule? And what would you say to these types of people? I, I, I don't understand what it, what it means. I don't have time for this. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, I, 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 entrepreneurs are busy people. You got to work hard. Right? Yeah. I, I saw... So I don't subscribe particularly to the four-hour week, yeah. which was a book written a long time ago, which maybe during a short period of time was a possible arbitrage yeah. that cannot happen anymore. You need to manage your people. Whatever is what whatever is the main source that that brings business to your company whether you're operation intensive company or sales intensive or both you need to be involved in this there is no shortcuts you even if you hire an outsourcing company you need to sit on their ass and pay attention yes. and ask everyday reports and and work with them and correct them and fix them the concept of i don't have time to manage people makes zero sense unless this is not your core your core issue if you're just trying to make some a uh, few extra have extra sales on the side because you already have your core team or if you if you have your core product and you want something extra maybe maybe you can say ah let, let's experiment right i do experiments a lot actually with outsourcing companies yeah. but i refuse to outsource the core the, the core issues in my company yeah hundred percent. I really love what you say. And I think actually this is part of our script or sales script. When people tell us, Hey, I don't know if I have time to manage team. And I'm like, dude, like you should not be on the phone with me then because you should go and take a one-on-one -on -one business course because that's where they're going to tell you that you need to manage people. If you want to be a CEO, if you want to be building a business, I mean, if you want to be a solopreneur and like, or a freelancer, you don't have to message anybody. If you don't want to, that's totally fine. Or manage anybody if you don't want to, but Honestly, once you scale to like one, two, three, four, five people, these people are not going to just do the work because you're paying them. It's funny when people have that realization, well, I'm paying someone, it does not mean that they're going to do everything 100% correct 100% of the time, right? Hey, <laughs> look. You be there and you still need to manage them. Listen, here's, uh, here's, here's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, Sorry, no, just, go ahead, go ahead. The, the, the quick rule is, if people would have been so good that they don't need your management, they would work for themselves. They would be entrepreneurs themselves. <laughs> exactly. That's it. What do they need you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. So, Sharon, listen, I'm going to talk about your book. Um, you launched this book a couple of years ago. It was a very interesting time, actually, you launched that book. Um, can you tell me more about what the book is all about and why should people Look, read it? Look, the, the book 
is all about managing remote people and also working as a successful remote worker, especially if you don't have the right manager management. I, I truly do believe that uh, a, a company, uh, a remote company, a hybrid company is only as good as their management. Um, but what I do interesting in this book, I encourage the 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 worker, the regular worker, to bring up their game when the manager is not doing that job. And hopefully that remote worker will become the next manager. So mm -hmm. the, so I help both, both side of the categories. I also do something a little different than the few uh, piece of content out there for um, remote work. I don't discuss as much the topic of asynchronous versus synchronous work for all your listeners who don't understand what I'm saying. It is the idea of functioning where I write a message and somebody responds at, at whenever they want. Mm -hmm. I am, unlike many of my colleagues in the remote community, I don't subscribe 100% to this idea of asynchronous work. I believe that remote work still needs the little touchy-feely experience that you have with management. I actually believe the opposite. I think that managers should get to know their employees on a much more intimate level, which requires more of that synchronous, continuous yeah. communication as much as possible. And this is the, the compliments that I got from this book is that I taught people how to truly create a culture, how to build trust, how to create people that love working for you, even if they're not, even if they're not in the same office or even in the same hemisphere. Yeah, and this is uh, this is where I I think that this book, um, th this book wins over any others. Also, I there's an audio the audiobook version I think is. Uh, quite hilarious i yeah. gotten multiple compliments that this is one of the only business management book that uses a lot a lot a lot of humor and i think people will go through it so quickly that's fantastic and i'm sure my listeners want to know more about that um i will actually link the book uh the amazon.com link to the show notes when they go live so for those of you that are listening at home uh don't worry i mean you can of course go right now and check it out uh, but otherwise, just go to the show notes and, and you'll find the link there. In the meantime, Sharon, I do want to ask you if you can tell us maybe one or two nice golden nuggets from the book, one possibly regarding um, remote team management and one you you know of your choice. Okay. Uh, so so first of all, um, so I will give one for the management and and one for the worker. So mm -hmm. I, there's clearly a lot, but well, uh, I, I the the ones that that I particularly particularly like is the idea of paying attention to your introverts. If you want to find some real gold, real gems within your working production, is is the need to go and find the workers that in the office environment were barely noticeable. They were 
they they were afraid to make noises. They were overwhelmed by all the extroverts that make made a lot of noise and got promotions and did everything right. But in my company, the strongest players are actually introverts that I gave the opportunity to shine. And this my research this there's quite a lot of research on this showing that introverts are actually more productive. They listen better. They, they, they are more detailed oriented. Those are the people that you have been neglecting for years and they will double your capacity and production. If you give them the appropriate work environment, which by the way, remote is the best work environment for those introverts. Um, for for the remote worker yeah. one of the biggest challenges that you might encounter is the lack of social experience there's a lot of research has shown that people that work remotely are more productive they're happier they're more independent it's just a good solution for companies but the the missing the 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 worst part of of uh, the the remote experience is is the social aspect and yes the manager should invest more in the intimate aspect have conversation but as a remote worker consider that you're more productive now you should take an half an hour a day and invest in your social experience book your social experience as if there were business meetings. So if you're a person that loves movies, if you're a person that likes to go out to, to restaurants, if your person likes to go to the gym, actually book them like their business meetings. Make them part of your day and make them equally as important as your as as your other business or job-related opportunities. Because if you're not gonna do this. You're going to burn out. You are going to go crazy. You are not going to be in a healthy mental state, which eventually will affect your productivity. Yeah. Awesome. I hope that helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this is this is gold. And, you know, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of people that tried uh, remote work during the COVID pandemic, uh, the lockdowns, um, they could only work from home, but a lot of them couldn't go to the gym, couldn't go get a haircut, couldn't go anywhere. We're from Toronto, so I understand exactly what we're talking about when we're saying lockdown after lockdown after lockdown for two full years, right? And so I totally understand that now things are different. And so what I tell my clients and what I say on the podcast is you guys get to try this remote work thing. Now that things are somewhat, you know, more loose, you can still do a bunch of stuff before, after, during, like on breaks at work, just go out, especially if you live in a, in a city. I mean, like that social aspect needs to be definitely, um, definitely there. Now, I wanted to ask you another question that I that I actually got interviewed by Thrive Global on this and, and, and uh, about remote work management. And, and I talked about how important it is for team members to actually know each other uh, and not just rely on you for day-to-day -day communication because that's how you build culture if, if you really get people to, to interact with each other. So you have 61 employees. I was wondering uh, how many teams uh, are somewhat independent, meaning like they meet without you 
and how many meetings require you to be run? So I, I encourage, first of all, I encourage social meetings. We use a product called Donut that randomly uh, encounters people and we and we have all bunch of social activities. People play video games with each other. People play cards against humanity um, with, with each other. So whether I'm involved or not, we create a lot of social teams. The second aspect is that, that the majority of um, the teams are managed by my managers yeah. and my managers talk to me, uh, yeah. but I still go out of my way to make sure to have intimate sessions one-on-one -on -one with every single one of the employee at least once every few months, just to get to know them on a personal level. This is, this is the key to creating culture. I mean, most people, when you talk about culture, most people don't exactly understand the concept. They, they understand the happy people uh, taking care, but, but, but they are, <clears throat> sorry about that. They don't clearly define the goal. And I actually created a proper definition that, that defines the goal of what it means to create culture. And that means creating connection. When you have that as a goal, when you understand that culture is about creating connection, connection to the company or connection to each other to create better teamwork, suddenly you can evaluate whether any activity, any strategy, any attempts that you have to improve culture are actually working. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing about culture. I find that a lot of people that are building a remote business, they say that because people can't meet in person and they can't meet at the at the, at the you know like coffee machine uh they, they not really like communicating or when they have these meetings they're just communicating about you know the basic things but you talked about donut um it's an amazing tool can you actually tell our listeners how it works and how they can integrate it into their workflow without you know potentially uh decrease productivity um well it's pretty straightforward um we use we use um a, a tool called slack to have chat with everybody and that's where the team are all sitting and donut literally takes members anybody that is on slack and randomly um randomly connects them and this people in general need to have a 15-minute conversation, 15-minute um, conversation of of actual hangout and actual chit-chat. We actually right now are implementing uh, a competitor to Donut, which is called Catch-Up, um, and that brings four people together, which might actually, we're experimenting with it right now, but might be even stronger because four people prevents this awkward, moments when a shy person doesn't know what to say so four people um could be the right amount not to not too little not too much but it's all based on slack i believe that you can also use it with uh microsoft meet and it just picks random people and they hang out and it and it gets people to know each other and to see if they're still saying sane and happy and and motivated to work for the company a hundred percent, a hundred percent. These are amazing tools, guys. Whoever is listening to this podcast at home, driving, whatever you're doing, you should really like 
think about implementing these tools in your business. You don't have to have a huge team. All you need is really like a team of like, uh, you know, like Sharon said, even if you have four or five, six people, just make sure to spend time and, and money into really like making sure the team, the team members like each other, because that's the most important thing. If you're, if you have the same mindset of, you know, um, I don't want to waste 15 minutes. I don't want my team members to waste 15 minutes talking to each other. You have to start thinking about the possible implications of having people that are not engaged in, in what you're doing. They are not indoctrinated in, in your culture. They, they don't feel part of the team. That is the real waste of time and the waste of money because you're paying someone to sit around most likely not to be, you know, totally bought into what you're doing. So Sharon, I'm sure that my listeners will want to know more about you. I'm going to ask you in a second where people can find you. But before that, I wanted to ask you if there's anything exciting that you want to share with our audience that you're either working on or that your business is releasing in the next few months or whatnot. So I just released my audiobook, like I was telling you before. We also have this incredible website, which we've been working for the past year and it's growing fast, which is called Think Remote. This gives all the right advice, any piece of information that you need about managing remote people or working as a remote individual. This is the publication. It is now the biggest publication for remote management. So have people check it out. Otherwise, check, uh, otherwise we are going to probably in the next six months start providing courses and, um, and, and uh, more content about remote work, or if anybody wants me to speak, I just spoke to the Canadian Revenue Agency, uh, teach them how to work better remotely and happy to help anybody that is interested. Awesome, awesome, Sharon. So again, where can people find you online and connect with you? Well, first of all, come to Distant Job if you're looking to hire um, to hire any amazing remote tech talent, you can reach me by email, Sharon, at distantjob.com, pretty straightforward, um, or any of my team, or check my book, Surviving Remote Work on Amazon. I think you're going to love it. It's a really fun, easy read that will teach you so much about working remotely. All right, perfect. Sean, again, thank you very much for being with us today. I'm looking forward to having you in the future. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you so much, Daniela. I appreciate it. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.